0: We recently released an episode about Joe Rogan. Some of our listeners contacted us about it. Some of them liked it, but some of them hated it. Since then, we thought a great deal about what we said in that episode. We both re-listened to it, and we thought it was important enough for you, our listeners, and because of the importance of the topic itself, to revisit this conversation. In particular, we'd like to explore some of the strongest reactions that we got to the episode. These included, number one, why did you guys even do this episode given your focus on business and relationships and organizations? Number two, are you saying Joe Rogan should be canceled? And number three, you both must really hate anyone who listens to Joe Rogan. We hope you stay tuned, especially if you hated our first episode on Joe Rogan and let us discuss further. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please
1: visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. You know, I, I, I think about the um, some of the podcasts that are really notorious that I kind of looked at. And people would hate listen to those podcasts or radio shows back in the day. They didn't like the person, but they'd hate listen to it so they could talk smack about it to their friends. <laughs> and, and maybe we have some of those people that hated our first Joe Rogan listen, episode that are going to hate listen to this second one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's possible, right? And so I, what I'd like to do is thoughtfully address these first three questions. And these were the the big things that a handful of people brought up when they contacted us. And then after that, we can talk about some other things related to this bigger picture of Joe Rogan and our thoughts on on these topics, because it's complicated. And people certainly have strong opinions and strong perspectives related to it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken the time to write us a fairly long email um, in a couple instances. It wasn't just one, it was a handful
1: which we love. We love it. We love getting that. It, even the hate mail's good mail.
0: Right, right. No. We we absolutely appreciate that. We, we see this show as being something of a relationship with our audience. We like to be on this journey with you, and we encourage you to let us know what you're thinking. Absolutely. So let's take this first question, which was, hey, guys, <laughs> you know, we got... Ben, an industrial and organizational psychologist, and Chris, a management consultant, and you guys talk about you know, business stuff, you talk about leadership and things like that. Um, yeah. Why are you taking the time to talk about Joe Rogan? And um, so I think we need to tackle that one first.
1: Yeah, Ben, why don't, I mean, just keep going, man.
0: Like, well, why, why do we yeah, do this? Sure, I'll, I'll offer my view, and then you can fill in any pieces that, that you deem necessary. And I think the first piece is that the Indigo podcast is a podcast about elevating what works. It's a podcast about flourishing at work and beyond. It's a fairly wide spectrum of topics, and it has a um, a common thread that goes through it, right? Which is about trying to seek evidence based ways to make life better, to make organizations better. And we, as consultants, as people who interact with industry frequently in large organizations and small organizations, uh, we see a lot of non-evidence-based thinking and people doing things that just doesn't work, right? So, for example, we see people trying to do trust falls in order to uh, increase team building within their organization or something like that, right? That's an power, example. Power poses. <laughs> or power poses. Those are examples of, <laughs> of non-evidence-based thinking. Uh, practices within organizations, just kind of as a silly example. But we also see this idea uh, of non-evidence-based thinking about critical thinking or the lack thereof being something that's, that's necessary in much broader contexts, right? Beyond just how we think about work and uh, relationships and organizations and so forth. So it, to us, it was like this naturally fits into our purview of of topics um because here's a topic about um you know the presentation of information it's about influence uh and those types of topics um that that do affect us yeah the thing i like about joe rogan as a specter that i will
1: kick down the road like a filthy cigarette butt can is is it's a lay person interacting with experts, mm-hmm. right? And there's a better way for lay people to interact with experts in the community of expertise that's out there than what Joe Rogan demonstrates. Mm. Now he's had amazing guests, you know? Like, I, you know, I'd give my right arm for some of those guests to be on our show, like. Uh, I would give your right and left arm. There you to, go. For some <laughs> like, of his guests. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're interested, I'm committed, right? No. <laughs> But the, th- the thing is, he's had really amazing people and he's had the worst grifters ever imaginable. And then a bunch of like comedians and fighters mm-hmm. who do good jobs and are hilarious and are, right. are, are great. He, as a fighter and a comedian, really actually well poised to interview those types of guests. Um, and I forget the comedian. He actually stood up and called a guy out during a live show. For stealing jokes right which is a big no-no in the you know professional comic community sure. right? but watching a layperson, because you know he he didn't even go to college he said he did well he went for a little while and dropped out because he said i just didn't see the point okay but now you're interacting with phds that could either snow you and your audience with the biggest bunch of misinformation selling Magnet bracelets that are going to improve your golf game or whatever, without the requisite tools for how
0: they build and assess knowledge. Gotcha. So, so you're jumping into Joe Rogan again. What I'd like to bring you back to is, so why did we do an episode about him? Anything that I missed? Right. Well, well, the the piece is because this is a a layperson, a f- <laughs> very famous
1: layperson, interacting with experts and if, as practitioners in the business space. There's a whole landscape of All kinds of pop books. And I got to say, most of the best-selling business books are not very good, guys. They're Mm -hmm. not. And so we thought this would be a prime opportunity to just highlight, hey, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's actually worthwhile or very good.
0: Right. And do you see this topic as being one that fits into our theme of exploring flourishing at work and beyond and elevating what works?
1: Yeah, because we would like to equip our listeners. Well, Ben, I mean, I, you tell me if you agree this. If we've done a good job, if we've equipped our listeners on how to navigate the information landscape and interact with expertise to make better decisions to improve the
0: outcome in their personal lives. Right, right. And it's not to say that we're perfect at this either. I think you and I are, are fairly open to the idea that we sometimes get things wrong, and but we are continually striving for and working towards doing a good job with that. And so uh, I think we, we hit that one. And I, I hope that that makes sense to some of our listeners who are like, you know, why are you even doing this episode on Joe Rogan? The second objection or thing that was brought up in some of the feedback we received is, hey guys. Like, and actually, a couple of people, it wasn't just one, it was a couple of people said, You know, I respect that you guys are in the military and you fight for things like freedom of speech. Now, why are you saying that we should shut Rogan down? And here's the thing <laughs> I, I re listened to our episode. I believe you did as well, the one that was released. At no point in that episode did we say that Joe Rogan should be, and I'm using those little quotes, like little air quotes, he should be canceled or that he should that the that the government should shut shut him down or well, we didn't even say that spotify should get rid of him right that's a business decision we could explore that from a strategic choice perspective but we we never even said that right um and at the same time there's we all have choices about what we consume uh and we also all have choices when we are publicly facing when we are doing things in the public forum about how we behave ourselves right and so we address some of that so What are your thoughts? Did we ever say he should be canceled? No, I don't think that anybody should be canceled. Whatever canceling means, except
1: as a point of personal aesthetic. Like, I don't think (laughs) that real housewives of whatever town should exist as a show. And I've got people (laughs) that I consider good friends that love it right now. Now, me saying. I think that show should be canceled as a matter of personal aesthetic. Now, I don't think Joe should be canceled, but as a capitalist in the world of ideas, people can vote with their feet. Sure. And I would say that, you know, after and we'll discuss some of this later, that I think there's a compelling reason to not have Joe Rogan as part of your media diet.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so I hope that that's clear to our audience. We were not saying and we didn't say that Joe Rogan should be quote unquote, canceled. Uh, We are pro-freedom of speech on this podcast, and that includes us having the freedom of speech to opine about what we see in the media landscape, in businesses, and so forth. Yeah, so one person said, like, listen, Joe Rogan's about freedom of speech,
1: but then later said, you are two smart guys with a business podcast, so why don't you stick with what you're good at and leave poorly researched and biased commentary On current events to cnn and the like and i'm like excuse me i have freedom of speech too and it's my podcast so thank you i'll i'll let joe have his and i'll take mine (laughs)
0: okay (laughs) so the third the third topic the third category i suppose of topics that that people brought up when uh when we in, in response to our first episode on joe rogan um, I got this from a couple people. It's like, whoa, you must really hate or think poorly of anyone who listens to Joe Rogan, right? It was this kind of, you're saying bad stuff about Joe Rogan and then taking it uh, very personally. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, one being that, you know, its if there's something that you really like and someone says they don't like it, then it, it sometimes can feel a little bit personal, right? It's like if somebody says that your kid is is dumb, or if uh, you know, something like that. Like that's not gonna go over too well. <laughs> right. I mean like you call my kid stupid. Well yeah, or, or like say <laughs> like not that anyone would do that, but like saying that your baby's ugly. Okay. Now, now here's the thing. Now I did re-listen to the episode closely. I took notes on ourselves, right? As as painful as it is to listen to, to to myself talk at stuff and you know rehash things. I, I even took some notes. And I think there were some instances in which um, you know, I think we were a little bit, in my opinion, I think we were perhaps could be construed as condescending towards people who listened to Joe Rogan. And there were a few times when, in particular, you, uh, Chris, mentioned things like, you know, that they're um you know, that Joe, people who listen to Joe Rogan are a bunch of brain rot zombies and uh, something along the lines of that. So I, I think that perhaps someone who's listening to that very plausibly could say, oh, gosh, like, you know, come on, guys. Like, that is some arrogant crap. And I don't like it. You 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 made me mad. And now I'm going to write you an email. And, and so and by the way, continue to write us emails. We. we we do like interacting with our audience. We, if you don't write us more often, we're gonna do more make you
1: angry episodes. <laughs> we'll just
0: we'll just pick all the popular stuff and, and just deliberately, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> suppose that would be one strategy, but no, we we, actually, we genuinely we genuinely want to hear from you, and uh, I, I think that this is this is really really good for us to have that interaction. So, uh, your take on on that, Chris. I mean, first of all, let me give you some of my background.
1: I am the hugest nerd ever. And back back when I was a kid, you know, if you read Lord of the Rings, even knew what Dungeons and Dragons was, or thought wizards and warriors were cool, well, you were like, you were an outcast, right? But now look at it. What do we got like? all the dungeons and dragons and comic book stuff is all the rage and super popular. So now where do the
0: nerds go hide out?
1: <laughs> what what? Well,
0: so apparently this... one of them comes and hides out on our podcast.
1: Yeah, I know. i just like <laughs> oh my gosh. But but here here's the thing. Um like it's kind of easy to take a pot shot at something some esoteric show like real housewives because everybody <laughs> knows that that's just trash television and and be honest about it. Nobody'd say, you know what? You're trying to figure out how to do life and marriage.
0: I would I'd take some professional notes from real people are smarter than that. Right. And 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 hey, here's the thing, too. Uh, You know, I don't I don't think it's bad to, you know, periodically consume some some garbage TV or whatever. And I was telling you when we were discussing, I said, you know what? My wife and I watch Cobra Kai right? Which is the, the worst acting you will ever see. And, and I think everyone would agree with me, even if you love the show, we're going to get more, this is no, how we get hate I, mail this time. You're the, the it, it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just really bad acting. Like the, like the, the guy who plays uh Johnny LaRusso, like he, he's just not I, in the karate kid. He was better as he was better as like a tween than he is um in, as an adult. But um that being said, we still watch it because it, there are entertaining components to it. It's anyway, it's, it's like, it's, that's something that we consumed. and we spent a little bit of time on it and it was kind of fun. Um, and I, I don't think it necessarily makes you a bad person. So I, I guess going back to the, the that, Let me finish of, that thought. Yeah. Okay. So you're a huge- I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody,
1: no matter what. Matter of fact, I believe there's big time redemption and intellectual redemption for people that, you know, I, I think of one soldier that I mentored that used to not read anything really. Mm-hmm. And now he's reading a bunch of stuff and he's like learning good management skills. He's done great projects. He's reinventing his career. It's awesome. But m- my view on Joe Rogan listeners are I have, based on my value systems, serious problems with how he conducts his life, conducts his interviews, the content that he puts on that show, the flippancy and lack of care that he navigates his social environment. And he, I think. It seems to me he gets a pass just because he's famous and rich. Mm. Epstein was famous and rich and he was a bad person. Mm -hmm. Now, do I think Joe's bad? No, but I will say I do think he's lacked the kind of moral development that I would expect from my own children or of the kids in a scout troop that I would lead or something like that. And that's that's a pretty basic bar like. Hey, man, could you just have the moral compass of a 13 to 14 year old trying to figure out life?
0: <laughs> so to be clear, you don't hate people who listen to Joe Rogan.
1: Uh, that's right. There's something there's something here is like hate the sin,
0: love the sinner.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so, so now in terms of, you know, what Joe Rogan does on his show, uh, kind of who he is, how he how he interacts with guests and, and all of those types of things. You and I are in pretty darn close agreement, right? I think that we, we do really agree that, you know, all right. So he has some, he sometimes has some really good guests. Uh, there are probably people Oftentimes, who often yeah, Oftentimes, that's really good guests. We will give him that. Here's the thing. If you want to tune in and listen to that, that that's fine. Um, there's probably someone who has interviewed that person previously and has done it a little bit better, right? It would not be very hard. To interview the level
1: of people. Now, let me give you an example that I think maybe Joe would do the most interesting stuff. We all know kind of about Elon Musk and Tesla and all that stuff. But watching, and I'm not a fan of weed. You know, I I don't want to support narco-terrorism because that's some of that stuff. It's not all homegrown, guys. But watching Elon get high with Joe and just talk about being a kid and what it was like, like that, that is something that you would not get in a regular interview with a business expert or an intellectual. Right. So right. there, there is some kind of content. But when you have Joe. Talking about Angelina Jolie's private parts and saying she's crazy and that makes her like more sexually advantageous. Then I asked you a question in our text, I said, let's say you met the guy that's going to marry your daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then later he heard him that evening saying that kind of stuff to somebody at a bar. Well, wh- what would you do?
0: Right. I think my response to you is something along the lines of that I would probably be in need of uh, legal representation due to um, the bodily harm that I inflicted upon that person. Right? <laughs> and,
1: and, and the thing is, it's like, it's okay. Because we want to say Joe's a regular guy. He's Mm -hmm. just like your plumber or the guy that's on your, you know, the parent of somebody on your kid's t-ball team. But that person doesn't have 12 million listeners per episode and is four times the biggest talking head on television. Because you would never say, you know what? That guy's a sexist jerk. I know. Let's give him the biggest platform ever. That would be a good idea. That would be a horrible idea. And it's just by the quackeries of our social media landscape that Joe even finds himself there.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I think we you and I agree in a lot of ways about about Joe Rogan in terms of, um, you know, kind of how he how he portrays uh, different topics and so forth and how he how he handles things. And certainly and since we actually since we recorded and released that last episode, a number of things have come to light, right, in terms of the racial stuff, right? A lot, some, some racial slurs that he has used in the past and a variety of other, um, I'll just say, comments that he has made that have not put him in a good light. And some people may say, oh, you know what? He's a comedian. He's supposed to be doing this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, that's just what they do. Uh, I mean, okay even if I'll give you that, even if I like steel man that argument and say yes, that is the role of the comedian in society is to say a bunch of garbage and and uh and get away with it for a few laughs, right even and I don't believe that, but if I said that that was you know true, um even then, I don't think that that necessarily then qualifies that same person to be an authoritative um uh, I guess figure in the, the media landscape. And some people have said, okay, you're, you know, don't, don't try to make him into some sort of hard hitting journalist. You know, that's just not who he is. He says he's not. He says he's not, he admits as much and that's fine, right? Okay, gotcha. Then perhaps don't dabble in some of these areas that are a little bit more fraught, I would say to him, right? Um, stick to the, uh, you know, stick to the guests that, that are um, in your domain of expertise. Uh, and again, this is not to suggest that if you've tuned into an episode of Joe Rogan's podcast that had a brilliant person on it and you listened to it and you got something out of it, more power to you. I told you, you know, one of the ones that I actually did check out, I usually, I've checked out like just their clips on YouTube because they're shorter. I mean, he had Pavel Satsulin on there and- so that's an obscure character to most people, but he's basically the person who made the kettlebell and Russian-style kettlebell exercise popular in the United States. So, And, Ben, you throw a heavy kettlebell. How heavy is a kettlebell you throw? <laughs> I, I've got a handful of them, but my biggest one is uh, 106 pounds. But. It's a forty-eight You're kilo. You're an animal. But, <laughs> but <laughs> so, so I've been reading stuff from Pavel's books and whatever. That's a whole nother topic for a while. And and it was a really funny interview because Pavel's kind of the straight laced. Uh, he's American now, but he was you know Russian um, ancestry. And and Joe says, "Hey, so Pavel, what did what did you have for breakfast this morning?" And he goes, "Black coffee." He's like, "Okay." And he's like, "Try to try to get him to loosen up." It was really it, it was really quite funny. But um, you know, so I. Again, I don't have necessarily anything against someone who does tune in. I think we could do better, though, in terms of how we digest media and and the the choices we make out there in terms of how we um, gather the evidence that we want and need to make decisions for ourselves. And Joe,
1: and here's the failure. First of all, this is like a college dude bro that never grew up. If you really want to have inquisitive high and drunk conversations with other white dudes about the efficacy or freedom of speech of using the N word just out of intellectual curiosity, man, that lawn has been mowed and is tired. That's Mm -hmm. just like that's dumb taste. And definitely, I mean, at the best. Right. You're like, okay. So you want to like have like dabble in some like race adjacent humor or you're dumb. Neither one of those is a good look for you. Mm -hmm. The nasty, horrible stuff you've said about women on your podcast is horrible. Like, Ben, you couldn't you couldn't recommend. And which is interesting to me. You know, we talk about how women are treated in the business landscape, the glass ceiling the Dude bro bro code and all that kind of the dating kind of garbage that goes on out there and then here we're laughing with a guy that has exemplified those kinds of philosophies thoughts, and behaviors and we give him a pass you would not give Jimbo in the cubicle three lanes down that same pass it would be ew mhm ew I if that guy was talking to me at a pub at a happy hour after work I'd be like Ew, I don't know, dude, don't hang out with me if you're gonna be like that because I don't wanna even be associated with you. Yet, here we go. It's like, well, you know, actually, he's just a comedian. And I think this speaks to our values as a society. Joe's not going away because he's a mirror on the kind of content we wanna see. And what I'm encouraging you, I'm not hating you for liking Joe, but I am saying, I don't think that's the best judgment of a person to give your hard fought time. I've not met very many people They're like, gosh, I just I have all this time. What am I going <laughs> to do with it? I know I'm going to go have have a dude bro with two more money than sense. Go ask dumb questions to smart people like, hey, Ben, you want to go see that? No, you would <laughs> never. But because it's Joe Rogan in our celebrity culture, We give people a pass. You know, let's say the biggest, you know, things are heating up in Ukraine. This is February 14th. So happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Go check out our Love in an Elevator episode from our archives, right? (laughs) Don't don't date people at work, right? But things are heating up in the Ukraine. There's all this serious stuff going on. And yet here we are in our society. Like, this is just the epitome of decadence and scullery. So with the stuff in Ukraine, we could have a top, top expert come in and talk about the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's probably not going to it'll be on C-SPAN or something. Nobody tunes in. Reality TV is not reality TV. You want to see reality TV tune into C-SPAN. It's the <laughs> Life is boring, right? That's yeah. probably why we look for this drama. He could try to call a press conference and not get anybody. But one of the Kardashians could say, I want to let everybody know what I think about Ukraine. Right. And could instantly have a whole like press room full. Mm-hmm. That's baloney, guys. Yeah. We, and, and if we if we turn our attention away from that kind of clickbait, stinking thinking, because that's what it is, then people will start aligning to what audiences look for and start creating better now, content.
0: Now, here's the thing, though. I think that, uh, I was just thinking about, would I rather watch or listen to uh, Joe Rogan interviewing somebody um, or read a peer-reviewed journal article? Now, chances are I'd probably want to read the, the article depending on the topic. However, what gave me a little bit of pause there is I did have to think about it. It's like, yes, you know, we funny stuff is we, like, I, I like to laugh, like I, I enjoy things that that are interesting and perhaps you know perhaps there are some things that we could take from how Joe does his podcast and from how Joe has been successful in terms of um you know making things fun sometimes uh you know and accessible right just those two pieces I'm not talking about the inappropriate stuff I'm talking about maybe the 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 fun and the accessible pieces um you know that that is a good thing Right in terms of that approach, right? If you if you could imagine um, people who could maybe distill, uh, you know, evidence based thinking, and I guess this is kind of what we're trying to do a little bit here in a way that doesn't stink. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, it's totally. You should make the good stuff. Use all the media techniques, the humor, the whiz bangs, the TikToks, <laughs> all this stuff. <laughs> But the the problem is, is experts spend so much time becoming experts, they didn't get good at some of that stuff. And so they probably need a little bit of help. And that's good to have people. But Joe is at a point where he could pay an editorial staff. Right. He could have people like Barbara Walters is not a global genius, but Mm -hmm. she is a great interviewer that takes preparation very seriously and has a team of people. That any any of the better interviewers that we've had on cable television have editorial standards, Mm -hmm. fact checking, all of those pieces that go into making a good interview.
0: Right. Right. So I think I think that's a good point. You know, what I'd like to move to now is, you know, so you and I have some similar thoughts about Joe Rogan and his content, Uh, but we I think we have distinct ways of. Thinking about how to how to address that, right? And th- we saw this a little bit in the the previous episode. You know, in terms of um, your approach towards um, telling people that it's wrong, right? And um, I think that part that's part of that
1: not wrong, part, not right,
0: preferable, right? Well, and part of that's what I think probably came off as you know a little bit of crispy and a jerk, crispy and an arrogant jerk. Now, I'll say this though: first of all. If you think Chris Everett is a jerk, he is the best kind of jerk. He's the kind of jerk who will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, and he'll drive through a snowstorm to come get you if you need help, right? That's the kind of person Chris Everett is. He's not, not a jerk who will uh, just say jerky things and that's it, right? So keep that in mind. It's all about the... I think there's a lot of tough love there, right? And so I think that's just something I want to I stick up for you, Chris, there. Um, and, uh, but I I think that maybe we have a distinct way of, of thinking about influence sometimes.
1: Yeah. There's a challenge with influence. Yeah. And so first of all, the idea is like, you, if you just use the right approach, you can win people over Hmm. and that assumes there's no autonomy. So that means propaganda. If you just had the right propaganda, you could dupe everybody into following you right off the cliff. Right.
0: I, I suppose uh, I'm not sure that that's really true. Yeah. And
1: so there's this like nice approach. Like if we're just suit, if we just kiss your rear good enough. You, you'll be like, oh, I see now these guys are really nice. But then there's the other kind, right? Where there sometime change only comes through protest and violence. Right. Like, sad to say, like, I, I look at the civil rights movement and. Some of that wasn't going to get there, with just asking nicely, continually. Mm -hmm. It did take people had to wake up. And we see this and like, well, you know, if you just didn't, if you don't riot, people will prefer. And actually, that's not always true in the data. And it's not clear. So and this is one of the things I love working with Ben Barron. We have a yin yang approach. I will if the building's on fire, I'm going to interrupt the perfectly good speech. And I will take off my shirt and show my <laughs> That'll pear, wake them up. pale torso <laughs> in a room that has, you know what? To get people's attention to say, I've been screaming the building's on fire, <laughs> right? I will do it. Now, Ben Ben's a little bit, I'd say a good bit more pro-social than I. <laughs> but we've all seen a time where the polite, or let's say interacting with your spouse. Hey, honey, could you, can you just like, Oh, my God, if you don't pick up your socks, I'm going to murder you in your sleep. Right. And sometimes it takes that to get through. And I just want to say, like, there's not a big case for Joe Rogan. There's just not anybody he interviews. I can find somebody that did it better. I guarantee you. Now, if you want to use them for like kind of a guest curation, go look. But then he also looks because he brings on these fringe guys Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Bring a fringe person on. I don't give a rip. A good question for, oh, because people always feel like I have this secret knowledge that nobody else has. As if the PhDs in the field haven't already thought, if you've thought about it as a layperson, 99.9999% of the time, PhDs have already explored that in depth. They're, you know, you throw enough yo-yos at trying to guess, you're going to get a breakthrough, but it's so unlikely.
0: Well, there's actually, I mean, there's actually, a, there's a whole incentive system for people with PhDs to to explore every single minutia that's out there with regard to any topic, right? And to rip apart another PhD that makes a baloney claim. So yeah, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, right? if like if you make a baloney claim, they're get sure if it, yeah, yeah. But I, I think, um, I mean, I don't think there's an incentive directly to to rip other people apart or rip I I think the idea
1: yeah perhaps the idea they'll be like this is bad this is wrong no like you would not get somebody that could get a paper on the earth is flat published it's just not going to happen
0: well and, and the flat earthers would not be invited to the the uh the geology convention or whatever you know what I mean but there there is this insidious brain rot of an
1: idea an idea your brain isn't rotting If it is like, I mean, I guess, tell us so that we can gird ourselves for the zombie apocalypse. But he'll bring on somebody that's the only guy or one of three guys that believes something.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I don't hear him asking, hey, listen, you're in the minority. What do you think the best argument against your ideas are? Mm -hmm. Now, as a lay person who doesn't have expertise in, say, mRNA vaccines the epicurotic theory of the universe, those kinds of things. I have to say to an expert that is in the super minority, hey, listen, if if you can't convince your peers who are experts about this, then why should I as a lay person be convinced either? Mm-hmm. But there's this insidious idea that there's this secret knowledge. And we saw this actually way back in the early um, or in church history, actually, Gnosticism. If you had the secret knowledge of faith, it would save you just having that knowledge. And I feel like the, you see, like, this, you know, ideas in humanity repeat themselves. It's like, man, me and my buddies and this one scientist have this special idea about vaccines that's true, or about the government and a cabal of people that are trying to do evil things. And that stuff feeds, we've done episodes on conspiracy thinkings, you, you know, that's that same kind of stuff. And Joe, because he doesn't know or he just plays us so he can bring on guests that have a bunch of followings that just pander to a bunch of yeah. conspiracy theorists, he doesn't
0: either know or he chooses not to. Neither one's a good look. Right. So there was an episode done by The Daily, which I think is the second most uh popular podcast in the world and it's funny because in this podcast episode they do a podcast episode about joe rogan and we'll post a link to this in the show notes uh but they note that they are the second most popular in the world but it's not close like joe rogan is so far above them right not even by a long shot yeah but what they do is i think they do a pretty good job of talking about kind of who joe rogan is in terms of he says there's kind of two Two pieces here. And one is the guy who, you know, you just, you'd love to sit around and, and drink beer with this guy and listen to him have a conversation, right? It's just this enjoyable conversation that's going on, uh, inner, inner, uh, I guess, uh, you know, having these conversations that bridge the gap between the, the lay person, so to speak, and some experts on different topics. And then he said that there's this other piece that is where he, he is a, a history of being friendly to and dabbling in uh, things that are pseudoscience, things that are conspiratorial in thinking. And because of that, it it really starts to undermine his own credibility. And you know, another thing, we've talked about his guests. And so he has a long list of guests, long list, and many of them are amazing people. Then at the other end of the spectrum, he has people who are really not amazing, (laughs) and that's Probably an understatement. Here's the problem: when I think when you decide when you're making guest choices as a podcast, right, or as anything, if you're choosing to give someone a platform, you know, you and I go through this process when we're choosing guests. We we try to pick people who really have something uh, unique to say and are coming from a place of authority and expertise. Uh, If we had another person on, it kind of elevates them. It elevates that person who maybe doesn't rise to those standards. To a level that they don't really deserve, and I think that's a problem when you have that wide range of I'll let anybody come on and talk about things. I think that that's problematic. Every consultant we've talked to about how to
1: expand the reach of this podcast because we believe in our message so acutely that we're like, well, how do we how do we get it out? How do we fight this massive just disinformation landscape that's out there? And they're always like, hey. Well, get guests. We have we have guests, but we have to pick them because we get, I don't know, we get a bunch of requests every week. Absolutely. And they're always somebody peddling a book that even the description of the book, we know like that's not even true based on the evidence. And it, it's <laughs> garbage. They pulled it out of their keister and they're peddling it, but they already have a big social media following. They might have been a big CEO from a Fortune Fifty type company or something, and they want to go peddle their book, and it's baloney. And we could instantly right. raise our prestige and influence just by saying yes. But we
0: would have to sell our souls. But but what would we what do we say? All right. What what would we say to those people? I mean, like if they, I mean, if they're saying just all this unoriginal stuff, it would be a very awkward interview. Well, not even
1: unoriginal, <laughs>
0: but wrong. Right. If it's wrong,
1: and and we have said, hey, listen, we'll let you on. But we have a problem with the following. We we had one person that wanted to talk about women in the workplace. And I said, okay, great. We want to ask real questions. You know, Joe Rogany type questions. Like, why should men care about women in the workplace? And she said, I would not feel comfortable with that question. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, then you're not ready to hang on the Indigo podcast. And, And if you're selling... Shyster material. If you're a grifter trying to sell books and just do that social media turn, and there's other business podcasts that bring these on, and there's this whole like book tour that people do out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's out there, but that's that's not what we're going to do. And Joe Rogan does that, and that's why his follow anybody can come on there, and he will give them an easy. He's not judgmental. He listens. Mm -hmm. He goes about but the stuff he says about women. And so you said, oh, I'd love to have a beer with him. I probably would until he started saying that crap. And then Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to hang out anymore.
0: Right, right. So I'd like to go back to kind of this idea of influence and persuasion. And, you know, how do you actually change people's minds about things? And you said, you know, that your your approach is, is usually a little bit more of, let me confront you directly with, how I think you're a jack wagon or how I think you have stinking thinking, and then we'll take it from there. Um, what I, I suppose drives my typically less confrontational approach comes from the research on delivering performance feedback, right? So when we deliver feedback to people in organizations on how they're doing in their job, you know, we can do it in a variety of ways, but one thing that we have to be careful about when we're delivering constructive feedback, right? That's the feedback where you're screwing stuff up. We really need you to fix yourself. Yeah.
1: When people say that, I'm like, whatever, just (laughs) tell me the garbage. I hate titillation.
0: I have weaknesses. Go ahead and tell me. Um, When we're delivering that type of feedback, if we're not careful, we can start to cross what some people call a person's sensitive line, right? Where we start to, they start to feel threatened, right? Sometimes you can see this if you're really noticing when you're paying attention to someone, you know, they'll get kind of tensed up. They, they may change their body posture. They may start looking away. Uh, and that's when they start to become emotionally flooded and they stop thinking very clearly. They start to shut down and they start to go into kind of a flight, fight, freeze type of of mode. And when we do that, then they stop hearing us. And perhaps that's, that's, Kind of what guides my approach usually towards situations involving in, influence. Now, I'm not saying that this is necessarily always the right thing to do. It's not, and and that's a one-on-one. Your approach, your approach does right, and you, and, your, and your approach does work um, in certain instances. And I so I I, I learn from you in that, and I think that it it is helpful. Oh, thanks, Ben. Yeah, oh. like sometimes sometimes we've been in consulting situations where you just say like what you're seeing, and mm-hmm. and it, it's it's really Enlightening, and and it's really interesting because someone's like, "Wow, did 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 Chris just say that? Like he just spoke truth about what's actually happening here." And I think that that's really powerful. So I think that there there is definitely value in that.
1: And, and there's value in the social landscape to somebody raise up a sign and say, "This is bad." You mm-hmm. would not put Joe Rogan in any curriculum of any school or college, <laughs> university for this is how you should think about life. This is good thinking. Epitomized. You just, mm-hmm. you just wouldn't. And yet you have people listening to this guy for two to five hours, three times a week. Not everybody, we realize some, not all. But when we deal with, you know, when I see sexism and stuff in the workplace, when I see some of this stuff, I've seen and you've seen CEOs that I've coached where I just put the kibosh on that. I don't want to mm-hmm. hear that stuff again. That's garbage. And I did did you just did you just say that? I'm like, yeah, because the way you conduct yourself, if the board of director hired me to come in here, Mm -hmm. right? And when the board doesn't need to hear that I'm tolerating like really bad behavior, especially when one of the things that Ben and I kind of have a, we can't put this on the website, but I guess we can let it out here. We have a lot of experience working with toxic cultures that are ruining organizational performance. And so we go in, we have seen all kinds of crazy stuff and, and or, that you can't even believe, that's more sorted than the stuff that Joe talks about on his podcast <laughs> happening in organizations. Right. And when you're walking into that place, your, your morality, your virtues, how you conduct yourself has to be a strong mass
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I, 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 and and I agree, I agree, but I, I I don't, are are you suggesting that by my approach that I have weak, weak values and weak morals? No.
1: And, but that's, that's the whole thing. This is a podcast. This isn't Mm
0: -hmm. us doing a coaching engagement. Right. Now, the other piece that I think is important to consider if you're trying to influence other people, maybe this also guides my approach sometimes, is that people don't accept contrary evidence very well, right? If I, If you have some sort of view and I just present you with a bunch of evidence to the contrary, sometimes that can actually lead people to doubling down and digging into their position. So I guess here's what I would like to say to all of our listeners. We think you're awesome and we respect you and we have a lot of, um, I guess, just... um, We think that because you're listening to this, you probably have a mutual... Um, appreciation for learning about the world and learning about uh, what can help us flourish at work and beyond. And we really appreciate your listenership. We have, I think, genuinely, I think both of us have the best interest of, of everyone on this planet in mind, like in the marrow of our bones. We really want the world to be better. And we think that that happens through leaders, through organizations, through how we behave in the social environment. And so um, you know, know that in the marrow of your bones, so that if we say something that maybe rubs you the wrong way, right? Know that it comes from that place. It doesn't come from a place of, uh, you know, condescension at all.
1: Yeah, and and the literature calls this worldview threat, right? Your worldview is threatened. How you make sense and everything you've put together. Mm -hmm. And it can sound like a Debbie Downer. Remember that SNL skit? You know, everybody's having a good time and she says something. Everybody's like, oh, (laughs) man, there's some of that that stuff there. If you're really triggered by something that's on a podcast, I would explore that. What is that bringing up in you and why? And then I'd ask, you know, well, what kind of worldview might hold those views? Send us an email. We'll tell you, right? We'll probably mm-hmm. bring it up on a future episode. But so much, a biggest the biggest challenge for Ben and I when we go into this organization is there's so much work that needs to be done because they've learned stuff by just watching other people, monkey see, monkey do type leadership. And there's this whole landscape of evidence-based interventions for organizations and how we do leadership and how we think about all that kind of stuff that can happen. But it takes a long time because we are literally piece by piece changing leaders and CEOs and individual contributors worldviews so they can see the world in a better way and an evidence way so they can start to get the results in their personal life and get those results out in the organizations that they serve in.
0: So today on the Indigo Podcast, we've talked again about Joe Rogan, and I hope that all of you who listened to the first episode also listened to this episode. If you did not, please go check that one out. We deeply appreciate all of you, and we look forward to your continued engagement in our topics. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.